I know as we assemble together on Sunday mornings that oftentimes we have no idea what has taken place in our lives the rest of the week. We do an incredible job of wearing masks when we come to church. And somebody says, how you doing? We turn into some of the best liars that ever were. When we sing a song like that, Sometimes we can't say it as well because of all the stuff that's taking place, because of all the stuff we've experienced. Sometimes it's even hard to come to church because of what we've experienced in the church and the things that have been done to us by the church. Sometimes it's hard to say it as well with my soul. But when you really understand who God is, When you have a comprehension of his majesty, you can say it as well. We all come here today with stuff that it's hard to put in the back of our minds. It's hard to separate that. And God doesn't want us to separate it, but he does want us to get to the point where we can say, through it all, it's well because I know who you are. And so as we come to our study today and we talk about being members of a body of believer, of a local body of believers, it's only because of who he is that all of us in our brokenness all of us with the mistakes that we've made in our past, all of us with the hurts that others have heaped upon us, can say it as well. Because when the body of Christ comes together as God's design, it is well. And I want to encourage us as we come into uh, this sermon today, and we look at some evidences from God's word of why we need to be members of a no local body of believers, that it all goes back to him. This is his design. This is not my design. And even some of the things that I will preach on today, it's hard for me to preach on because I don't want it to sound like it's self-serving, but it's God's design. It's God's design so that it can be well. It's God's design that when a local body of believers all fulfills the role that God has given us. God has gifted each one of us. When we fulfill that role, amazing things take place. But we have to remember whose church it is. And when we do that and we submit to him, it is good. And no matter what's taking place, we can say it is well. And so I want us to give us a few pieces of evidence for why we ought to be members of a local body of believers. Remember, now last week we looked at membership and uh, the idea of the Americanized Christian mindset that thinks that membership is more of an organization that we belong to, something that we pay into, you know, that we get services and amenities from. That's not the biblical idea of membership. The biblical idea of membership is much more of a medical term in the sense of that we are pieces of one body. And that's the first piece of evidence I want to give us this morning of why to be part of a local body of believers because it is a gift of one body. 
that God has gifted us to come together with all of our past, all of our hurts, all of our mistakes, all of our sin, and through his grace and forgiving our sin through the shed blood of Jesus Christ as we yield to him as the Lord of our lives, it is well. And God does some amazing things. Paul tries to describe the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you'll turn there with me, he's trying the best he can to describe the church and this whole concept of the body, and he uses the physical body to, to try to describe it. In 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12, he says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, and so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into the body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that wouldn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, then I don't belong to the body, that would make it not any less part of the body. And so Paul here is trying to give us this description of the body of Christ that God has gifted each of us individually. When we accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, immediately he gifted us with certain spiritual gifts. Now, you may not be well aware of what your gift is yet, but as you serve in the body, God will make that giftedness come to the surface and you'll understand that he has given you a gift. All of us, according to God's grace, have been given certain gifts that he expects us to use. And so if you go back, you go down a little bit further there in 1 Corinthians 12 and look at verse 24, Paul continues this description of talking about the body of Christ with being one body. He says this in verse 24, which is more, more presentable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. For if members suffers, then all suffer. If one member is honored, then all rejoice. It, you know, we have to keep the context of what was going on it, it, when this book was originally written. So in Corinthians, we have to keep the context of the Corinthians church in mind as we read this to have a total comprehension. You know, so when it says here that the, the lesser parts were given greater honor, when you understand that within the Corinthian church, you had Jews who thought that they were the only chosen race mixed with the Greeks. And then you had slaves mixed with those are free. Even their masters are all together in the same church. And so imagine reading that in that context that what Paul is saying, all those who are lesser are given greater. We all come together as what? One body. We miss that in our culture today because we don't have those things. And that's one of the great things about America is that you come together and we're equal. So it is in the church. One body, many members that God has chosen to call together for the unification of his glory so that we could do what? Make his glory known by multiplying disciples of all nations, you know, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded them. You know, that's the mission of the church, that we would come together as one body. So the first piece of evidence is it's a gift of God. Being one body in Christ is an incredible gift of God that only, think about it, all of us coming together into this local body of believers using the gift, only God could do that. It's amazing. But the second reason, the second evidence for being a member of a local church is because out of God's design, he has given caring shepherds. He has appointed caring leaders to be leaders over his, his sheep you know, and caring for them. 
Now, what I want you to realize is that I chose that word caring very carefully. Now, I didn't actually write that. That was not, you ought to just write that down as every once in a while I say something that's smart. In many churches today, the pastors themselves forget whose church it is. And they elevate themselves to levels that God never intended. And it becomes all about them rather than all about him. I'm not talking about those guys. I'm talking about those guys who are in obedience to Christ uh, that are doing it not because they desire to do it. They're doing it out of obedience because that is how God had gifted them. And as is my case, I preferred it. He didn't gift me this way, you know, because of the the role that is there because of the standard that I'll be held to that's higher than other people and all the things that come with it. I'd just rather prefer that God didn't call me to do this. I'm doing it out of obedience and only obedience. And so God has called shepherds to come and to care for the sheep. If you'll turn with me over to Acts 20, Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders. We went through the book of Ephesians a number of months ago. Here at Acts 20, Paul is talking to them. If you go down to verse 28, here's some instructions that Paul has specifically for the elders at Ephesus. He says this, Pay careful attention to yourselves. Why would he say that? I think it's because as shepherds, our number one role is to walk intimately with Jesus, to walk in yielding to the power of the Holy Spirit, because only then will God do something through us. It's not about a man's giftedness and that he's a good speaker or not. It's really about his yieldedness to the power of the Holy Spirit, allowing the Spirit to work through him to do things that he could never do on his own. Hey, you can tickle people's ears and fill a building, but God's saying to those elders at Ephesus, Pay careful attention to yourselves and also to the flock. Pay careful attention to the flock. Care for them in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of who? God. It is not your church. It is not my church. And any guy that is pastoring a church that thinks it's his church, run. One of my pet peeves is this. I can't stand it when somebody says my church or my ministry. Because guess what? It's not yours. It's not mine. This church is not your church. It's not my church. Guess whose church it is? It is God's, almighty God's church. And he's given us instructions on how to handle his church. Then look at the last statement he says in this verse, which he obtained with his own blood. What a reminder for all of us as leaders in the church that we did absolutely nothing to purchase anything. But Christ, through his shed blood, purchased the church. It is a great reminder to all the pastors and elders that it is not your church. Christ obtained it with his blood, and he has made you an overseer of it. If you turn back to Acts chapter 20, and you look at verses 29 through 30, there's a few more instructions here. I know that after my departure, here's the reason why they need to be so careful. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, and they won't be sparing to the flock. And from among your own cells will rise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, 
remembering that for the three years that I didn't cease to day or night to admonish every one of you with tears, that Paul is pouring out to them saying, beware because the enemy is going to arise. One of the evidences of a healthy church for me is spiritual warfare. That may be sound counterintuitive, but you know what? If you're not a threat to the enemy, the, the enemy doesn't care. But I'll tell you what, when God's spirit is moving, know this, so is the enemy. And there's a spiritual battle that is taking place, a spiritual battle for hearts and minds and souls that is constantly taking place. That's why that no pastor, by his teaching ability, is going to convince anybody of anything. But through his yieldingness to the Holy Spirit, allowing the Spirit to speak through his word, allowing the Spirit to testify to one another's spirit, begins to do something. Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 5, also speaking to the elders, has some further instructions and so if you turn to chapter 5, look in verse 1 through 4, here's what Peter says also to the elders. He says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow, fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Here's another evidence for the local church. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherd those that are among your care. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And then when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Peter's exhorting the shepherds to, to care for the people, not doing it out of selfish gain, but doing it as Christ would have you do it. God's going to hold elders to a higher standard. We all need to remember whose church that it really is. And so we see two things so far, evidence for joining a local church. One is the gift of God making one body. Second, that God has put some in charge of being the shepherds, the caregivers for the church. But also, thirdly, that there's things that we can learn from those who are a little bit more spiritually mature. We can learn from those caring shepherds as they continue to learn from the over-shepherd as God pours into them and they then pour out to you. If you go back to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, we see this. Likewise, you who are younger... Be subject to the elders, clothe yourselves, all of you with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that in the proper time, he may exalt you. This wasn't meant to be a pet peeve day as far as sermons, but another one of my pet peeves is this, people who attempt to elevate themselves to spiritual leadership. May I just say that that is so unbiblical that you need to be real careful. We need to humble ourselves under what? The mighty hand of God. And as we humble ourselves in due time, he will exalt us. He will appoint us to positions of leadership. Those who are really walking with God are not trying to seek positions. You can tell the difference, I think, between the two, those who are self-seeking that want positions and those who are just humbly saying, God, I'll be obedient, but I'd rather not. God takes very seriously those he appoints to his church. 
and they can choose to be humble themselves, or God may choose to humble them. It's so important for us to recognize that it's God's church. It's not our church. It's his mission that he's left us with. And we don't really have any options in that. We need to come together to be one. All gifts being used together. Hebrews 13, 7 says this. Remember your leaders. Remember those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. One of the reasons to be part of a local body of believers is, you know, Imitate those who are walking with Jesus. Imitate those who have been walking for a while. Hey, and listen, when I read these verses, that's incredibly convicting to me. Is my life worthy of being imitated? Some of the time. God has put positions of leadership down in in chapter 17 of 13. It says this in the NIV. It says, have confidence in your leaders. The English Standard Version says something different. It says, submit to your leaders. You know, and can I just be honest? That word submit in our culture today, as soon as we hear it, we all kind of have the pucker factor. Do what? I'm not submitting to anybody. I like the way the word NIV says, have confidence in your leaders. If your leaders are walking with Jesus, you can tell. You know, it's really no difference when God tells wives to submit to their husbands. Husbands, that's not something that you get to say, ha ha, you got no, no, it's not that. Because when we do what God commanded us to do, you love your Christ as Christ loved the church. You are doing everything you can to offer her up as spot-free, without blemish. And if need be, you will even die to yourself and die for her so that she can be all that God made her be. Hey, you can submit to that, right, ladies? It's the same, it's the same thing here. When you have confidence in your leaders, then you can submit to their authority. Because they keep watch over you. They, they can keep watch over you as those who must give an account. So do this, that their work will be a joy, not a burden, because that would be no benefit to you. You know, a lot of times people joke with me, um, man, Dave, you only have to work two hours a week. Yep, and I pick my nose and watch ESPN the rest of the week. It's great. (laughs) People often have no idea what the role of a, pastor is and there's no way that you would know unless God called you to be a pastor we were in upward basketball practice it was early in the year and we've been giving our guys opportunities to ask any spiritual question they want and the first week that we did that one of the guys said this and it, it, it left me speechless he said is it hard being a pastor and I'm thinking how do I give him the real answer and not totally blow his view of what a pastor is. And so I said, it's the most difficult job I've ever had. But it's the best one. When you and the body you serve submits to the Holy Spirit, there's nothing better. But when people refuse to submit to the Holy Spirit, it is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Here's some statistics that have been well known for a number of times. Somebody put this on Facebook this week. But here gives you a little bit of glimpse in the struggle that pastors face. That 90%, 97% of pastors have been trained, falsely accused, or hurt by their trusted friends. Guess where their trusted friends are? In the church they serve. 
70% of pastors battle depression. 7,000 churches will close their doors for good every single year. 1,500 pastors will quit for good every month. Only 10% of pastors will retire pastors. 80% of pastors feel discouraged. 94% of pastors' families feel the pressure of ministry. 78% of pastors have no close friends. 90% of pastors report working 50 to 75 hours a week. Now, I understand that there's some really lazy pastors, and I understand that there's others that even work more than that because of the love for Jesus. But one thing you have to understand, if a pastor's doing what God calls him to do, he has this bullseye on his back that the enemy is after all the time. The enemy doesn't take time off. It is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Even as you're trying to sleep, the enemy is all over you. But here's what's worse. He goes after your family. There's a pastor's son right there. He understands. There are three pastors that I know of that are sitting here in the church this morning, and they can attest to the difficulties that it is. Their families can attest to the difficulties of being pastors. Ask in mine. The most hurtful things I've ever endured have come from the church. I don't want this job. I don't aspire it. I'm only doing it out of obedience to what God has called me to do. When all of us use the gifts that God has given us for his glory, because it's his church, and we come together as one body, all of us yielding to the power of the Holy Spirit, it is good, and it is easy to say it is well with my soul. The enemy wants to take and destroy and disrupt. He wants to start with the pastors and the elders. He goes after their families to try to destroy, and he does a great job of it, as you can see with these numbers, to get guys out of ministry never to serve again so that he can destroy his church. We are one. God has called us to come together. 1 Timothy 5.17, a familiar verse says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Now, I'm not saying this to be self-seeking. I'm not saying that. There's many ways to do honor people. But may I just suggest this out of 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 through 13. Here's what Paul says. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonishing you because God has told them to, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Because of the pressures that God has called them into, because it's not fun caring for sheep sometimes, because when sheep wander away, what normally happens? They get into stuff, right? Think about a sheep that has this big wool coat, and they get in the mud, and they fall over, and that wool gets wet, and when they fall over, guess what happens? They can't get up. What does God tell shepherds? Go get them. Go after them. Well, here's the reality. Most sheep that are wandering don't want anybody to come get them. And you know what? They stink. And they don't say nice things. And they bite. And then when you do what God's called you to do, they tell everybody else nasty things. In light of that, this is what Paul tells those from Thessalonians. Respect those who labor among you. Esteem them very highly because of their work. And then he says this. Here's how you can give double honor. Be at peace among yourselves. 
And this is what he says, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. You know, what would it look like if we as the body of Christ were at peace with one another? We were encouraging those who were not serving in the church. We were patient with those who were going through difficult things. Another thing that I hear with increasing measure, again, I think a byproduct of the Americanized church is this. I've done my time. You did your time? What they mean is, I've served as a Sunday school teacher, Sunday school superintendent, deacon. I've done my time. I don't see that in my word. You don't serve time. We get to serve God with the gifts that he bestows upon us for his glory. We We don't serve for a period of time and then say, I'm done. We serve until God takes us home, and then we get to worship him for glory forever. It's just practice for what we're getting ready to do. We give God glory through all the mess of our lives, all the mistakes we've made by his glory. In his grace, he does something so miraculous in us, and then he brings us all together. What's more miraculous, that he changes our hearts, that he brings a bunch of messed up people together? You look at the early church and who God chose to be the leaders of the church, they were all the wrong people. We would never choose them. The search committee would never choose a fisherman who had no education, but God did. Man, it's so good to see people that serve the body believers. As you can see around here, we've had a lot of people serving this week, just making this place look better. But may I just say this publicly, one of the things that just gives joy to my soul as the seniors of a church that serve. Every time I see one of our seniors serving, it's with this, the joy just exudes from them. You know what it does for me? It just lifts up my soul every time. You know, obviously they have a little bit more flexibility in their schedule to schedule things than some of us that are in the midst of raising kids and everything else. But I'll tell you what, When the body serves together, each one of us using the gifts that God has given, it is amazing. And so we see that it's a gift of God. We we have the the structure that God is giving of caring shepherds who also that we can learn from and teach. But there's one last thing I want us to see this morning is one of the reasons to be a member of a local body of believers is so that we don't wander away. We looked at this verse before in Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider how to stir one another along to to love and good works, not neglecting coming together and meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day coming to drawing near. Have you ever noticed, or maybe yourself, that especially over the, the, the summer you go on vacation and you know, and then maybe something else happens where it's baseball or something else and you're away from church for two or three weeks, how much more difficult it is to come back. That's what this saying here. Don't neglect coming together. When we come together as the body of Christ and we're serving together as the body of Christ, man, it does something special. But it's like taking a log off of the fire. We're on fire together because we all burn together with passion and glory for God, serving together. But as soon as we remove ourselves from that, we begin this cooling off process. And we cool off more and more, and that passion becomes less and less, and that joy disappears. And then what happens when we go and pursue those sheep? Most of the time, they don't want to come back. 
we need to come together as a local body of believers. God has called us to be a local body, all serving our gifts. So why join the church? One, because it's God's design. It's, it's a gift from God. We are one body. Two is to be watched over by caring shepherds. You know, three, so we can learn from those shepherds who are more mature than us. As God is pouring into them, let their, what God is passing on to them and enlighten the word of God for us. And fourthly, to keep us on track so that we don't wander away. I want to encourage you to ask yourself this question as we conclude today. Have you made yourself accountable to a local body of believers? Notice I didn't ask if you, if you have made your, you joined a church or you're a member of a local body of believers, but have you made yourself accountable to a local body of believers? Do you even see your gifts as an important part of a local body of believers? If, if you aren't sure about that, maybe that's my fault, but we, we want you to discover your gifts. We want you to know that every single person that God calls to be part of this church is important. And we want everybody to be serving in your giftedness. Otherwise, we are not the church that God has called us to be. But have you publicly shown your commitment to being part of a multiplying community? There's probably some of you here today that are members of this church, but that commitment level, maybe God's saying, needs to go to another level. And I just want you to ask yourself this, what's the next step? What is God calling you to do? Some of you maybe haven't, you've been coming for a while and, and uh, you're just trying to figure out where it is that God wants you to be. And maybe the next step for you is just to come and ask some questions about the church. Maybe the next step for you is to say, okay, I want to be a part of this body of believers. And so I just want to encourage you as we come to our time of invitation that you respond in the way that the Holy Spirit is leading you to respond. Maybe it is to come and join this church. Maybe it's to publicly say, the next step for me is to get involved because I'm just not being involved in the way that God wants me to be involved. I'm not saying it has to be this church either. What I'm saying that hopefully you see today that God is saying he's calling all of us to be a committed member of a local body of believers. Why? Because he has gifted you in a way that he expects you to use in a local church. And so as we come to this time of invitation, I know there's a few of you that have come forward to join. We need to present you to this body to become members of this church. I think there's some others of you that maybe need some more information about our church and what we can do to help you get plugged in. But my desire is that you yield to the power of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to your spirit through God's word and you just respond in a way that is honoring and brings him glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the honor that we have in this country to worship you freely, for the honor that it is to come together as your church and not have to look over our shoulders. Father, I pray that you will help us to understand with increasing measure the importance of the local church. And Lord, even though we can't comprehend how you use us and the messed up lives that we are, God, we thank you that you are one who glorifies yourself by transforming us from within. But God, you also glorify yourself by giving us certain spiritual gifts to use together as one body for, to fulfill the Great Commission. And so, Father, I pray right now that you would testify to our spirits. And God, that we would respond in a way that is according to the leading of your spirit in nothing but utter obedience. I pray all these things in Jesus' name.